Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to a new episode of Audio Signals. Get ready to take a journey into the known, the unknown, and everything in between. Recorded at no specific point in time nor space, ITSP Magazine's co-founders Marco Cipelli and Sean Martin follow their passion and curiosity as they venture away from the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society to discover new stories worth being told. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hello, everybody. This is Audio Signal Podcast, uh, where I have fun. Now, now that I don't have fun in my other podcast when I talk about technology, society, and cybersecurity, but I feel like uh, a lot less pressure here because it's, it's stuff that I am just curious about and that I believe that the audience will enjoy and maybe discover sometimes what happened behind the... Uh, stage behind the screen a camera sometimes we talk with people that write book and how do they write the book how they get creative how they write music but in this case it's actually the first thing that i said we're going to kind of figure out what happened and how it's made that big movie <laughs> that you just saw or maybe a tv show or maybe that you just stream because now we don't necessarily have to go to the movie it's uh, the movie it's on your computer your device and here i go i'm already talking technology i'm gonna stop right now because the people that are listening they think i'm just blabbering by myself the people are watching they can see there is a guest and the guest is jennifer carrier carrier career so that's my french uh, being italian i tried but jennifer i can say that so um welcome to the show first thank of all you. thank you thank you for having me and uh this is going to be exciting because i think we will talk about things that are very familiar to you and to the people in the movie industry but very unfamiliar to the people that just watch the show see the actors see the scene and they just get sucked into watching and living that experience, but it's not magic. Well, it's magic, but it doesn't happen by magic. magic. <laughs> yeah. So enough about uh, the introduction. I wanna hear the introduction from you, Jennifer. Who are you and uh, what do you do? Okay, so I am Jennifer Carrier, and I am a script supervisor for film and TV. Okay, so the script supervisor is um, my definition of a script supervisor is a mini director, mini producer, screenwriter representative, actor wingman, all rolled into one amazing film job. I am not kidding. We really do touch on all of those disciplines. Um, greatly. In fact, we influence, um, you know, the director's work, the producer's work, um, represent the screenwriter's script while we're actually shooting on set, support the actors to make sure that their best performances are usable in the edit. And then we represent the editor on set, creating a roadmap for cutting the film or TV episode to the director's liking. So the greatest compliment that I can receive from an editor in post is I showed the director my rough cut of the film or TV show and they had no notes. They said, just tighten it up. Otherwise it's spot on. 
Okay, so I get to um, I get to represent all of those departments as a script supervisor. So set superhero is what script supervisors, you know, truly are. All right. So in a sense, sounds to me that you you're kind of the glue and also the the bright person for me to to talk about with this goal to share with the audience a little bit of an overview of how is a film made and and again how many roles and how many departments there are yeah. back there just to make that two minutes of action that you really There's love hundreds right? of people 12 14 16 hours of work um to create you know three four minutes of beautiful action um in the film or show yeah 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 so but you let's start from the beginning you okay. you were not always uh doing this job this profession you fall in love with this so you actually come from a completely different background so tell, tell me about how you what you were doing before and how you fall in love and into this career gotcha so i actually started my career so i've been um, this is now like my third career because i started off in the nonprofit world okay mm -hmm. um so i was um director of the alliance francaise of new orleans um so the french alliance of new orleans which is a worldwide organization that supports um the um cultural you know education and, and supports the um keeping the language alive in places outside of france um, that was um, interrupted by Hurricane Katrina back in 2005. I decided to go back to school um, for a second degree, which was a civil engineering degree. And I had a um, very safe, secure um, career all set up at the New Orleans Corps of Engineers and um, decided even as exciting you know, civil engineering was that cubicle life was not going to be a fit for me. So um, I decided to risk everything, even though I was carrying heavy student uh, loan debt, um, decided to risk it all and go and play in the film and TV industry. I had no idea what department I was going to fall into. I had not, not one iota of, um, you know, industry knowledge. I just took a leap of faith. Um, so I found myself bouncing around different uh, film and TV departments, depending on what format I was working, um, did camera for a while, did costumes, did, you know, um, director, assistant, producer, assistant, all kinds of things until I found out completely by accident um, from one of my camera assistants when I was a um, local 600 um, camera, basically I was like a utility, um, but I was actually a, a, a union um, camera person. Um, I found out that the script supervisor role touched on many of my, um, I guess, what I would say strengths and things that I enjoy, um, that it, it required an attention to detail, um, foresight, problem solving, you know, solving problems before they happened, um, and um, working, uh, you know, communication and working with many different types of people, including both, um, you know, creatives and technical departments. And um, I decided to give it a go and learn more about it and um, and jump into it eventually. And then I went all in with two feet and worked nonstop um, like crazy. Honestly, the 2007-2008 writer strike helped me enormously because there was a tidal wave of work that followed that strike. And I got to work as a script supervisor um, for years, basically, without uh, stopping and um, got really good at it. So. Well, that's not too much. <laughs> but it's so uh, it, sometimes this thing happened because you get inspired by someone. And I know that you're kind of like now on the other side where you're mentoring people. So we'll, yeah. we'll get to that. 
But you just had this idea to say, it, it's almost like a movie. I'm going to go to Hollywood and see what happened, right? Oh yes. Like, <laughs> I don't walk away from the degree that I, my, the degree that I invested heavily in. And, you know, I mean, the, I was so set up with the Corps of Engineers. Like, there was no reason to ever leave. I was in my beautiful city, my hometown. Um, yeah, I um, just, it didn't feel right. I just mm -hmm. had to go find something unpredictable and adventurous to do. And that's that's yeah. really cool. So tell me what you, you you tried different things at the beginning. Uh, of course, you know, I'm assuming you you find an opening, you you go in, maybe you intern, maybe you just help on a daily basis, maybe you are on call. And then what happened at a certain point is that eventually you get to network, which I know that is very important. You know, the, you mentioned the union and, and so on. So when you got into the onset, right? Was it overwhelming? Was it like, I had no idea there was so many people behind, the, behind this, in, in this industry? What, what was your feeling there? I had no idea how many people, how many departments it took to create just a few minutes of TV or film. Um, I mean, honestly, getting onto set as a PA was like free film school you know, when I was getting paid. So I was getting paid to get this enormous sort of just like transfer of knowledge from all of these brilliant filmmakers. And um, it really snowballed very quickly, I would say. Um, you know, they say that, you know, it's like you catch the bug in film and TV. Like I caught it, like it was just a magical connection from the very, very beginning. So even that very first day that I worked, um, this was a, a canceled TV show that, um, it was a pilot series that was canceled due to the writer's strike of 07. Um, even though I was then forced to go bartend on Bourbon Street, even though I had never been a bartender before, just to cover my bills while the strike was underway. Like I said, when we um, when the film industry came back after the strike was over, um, it was just nonstop work. But yeah, it was it was an incredible education in an incredibly short amount of time because I mean, when you're on set things just do not stop moving. It's just nonstop action, 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 and creating, creating, creating. So um, you catch on quickly. And if not, then you won't be invited back. You know, you have to keep mm. up. Sounds like if you don't like it, you can't really do it. I mean, you really need to get that buck. Uh, it's it's long hours, right? Oh, yeah. it's, you never know when you go. Sometimes you start very early in the morning. <laughs> You're not done until very late at night, um, right? So. Yeah. So you'll start, for example, you might have a 6 a.m. call time on a Monday morning and then each day the call times push later and later and later to give the actors a turnaround. So by Friday, you're getting called in at 6 p.m. and shooting till 8 a.m. the next day, you know, so it's, it's crazy hours. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's something that people don't really understand. So let's let's get into that. So. I am vi very visual uh, as a creative person too. And in my head, I can see the movie. And then as I'm watching the movie or the TV show, I can kind of see this entire amount of people moving around with mics, with staging, with you know green screen, depending on what you're doing and whatever kind of kind of set you have you can be in the yeah. middle of a desert you or pretend to be in the middle of the desert maybe I'm you're shot just in the middle of the desert. <laughs> you have it okay cool so that's where i want to go like mm -hmm. give me kind of like this picture of 
maybe the most fun or the things that you prefer to kind of work on okay. why and maybe give a picture a visual picture of what happened in that particular set so I'll give you an example of um, going to work at a studio, one of my favorite studios. I won't name it for NDA purposes, you know, non-disclosure agreement um, reasons, but I will give you a picture of what my favorite day as a script supervisor, which of course led mm, me to becoming yeah. a producer is, okay? So I pull up to my studio and scan my badge and I go and park and I go to the catering tent and get a gorgeous breakfast. And I'm there, you know, 90 minutes ahead of call time just to get, you know, my head in the game, get some nice rest, get some nutrition in me hop a van and take it to whatever soundstage we're shooting the show on and get set up near video village. Okay. So like right where the stage is going to be, where our first set's going to be, I'm getting my head in the game, looking at the work we're going to be shooting while the set is being lit right in front of me. We've got a huge department of grips who are being directed by the key grip. Um, you know, they're bringing in flags and stands and all of the gear that has been on their truck. They're unloading that and setting it up just, you know, off stage, you know, off in the wings, so to speak, so that they can fly in with whatever grip equipment they need to set up to create the shots with the um, with lights and, and all the other gear. Um, the electricians are doing the same. They're being directed by the gaffer. Okay, so that's the chief lighting technician getting their gear set up near the soundstage because we're going to create whatever lighting arrangement the cinematographer wants, whatever's going to be appropriate for the scene. Those guys and gals don't know yet, you know, what that look is going to be. Um, so they're just showing up and putting gear down. We have, you know, PAs filtering in with call sheets and sets of sides, which are mini scripts just of the day's work. Um, we might have background actors who have been dressed by the background costume department who are lining up and sitting in chairs near the stage if they need to step into the scene. Um, you know, we have um, all the various departments, you know, set dressing, props. They're bringing in their carts and setting up the props for the first scene. Everyone is waiting to be right there ready when it's time to rehearse, okay? There's a there's a rule when it comes to making film and TV and that's like no waiting, no delays allowed. You must show up ready with your head in the game. Do not give a first assistant director, a producer, a director or a cinematographer an excuse for why you're not ready. You have time, doesn't matter how short the turnaround was from last night, we have to show up ready. Filmmaking costs a fortune and there simply is not time for careless delays. So everyone who's on set, all professionals who keep working know this. And so we are ready, ready for when that director, cinematographer and actors step in for the first private director's rehearsal of the day. That's my absolute favorite director's rehearsal, the very first one. So we all step into this quiet little creative space and decide how we're going to shoot the very first scene of the day. The director and actors are experimenting with blocking ideas. I'm helping keep them on track with, um, you know, story notes or dialogue or action beats that they're, you know, might miss or misinterpret or something. Um, and keeping track of, you know, the different blocking ideas until they finally decide on one. And then that's the one that we will rehearse one final time. And then we will invite all those other department um, keys to come step in and watch the rehearsal so they know what to expect during the shoot. You know, props might learn from this rehearsal that, oh, well, we're going to use a prop that is not in the script at all. So please go find one or create it. You know, um, we weren't going to use a red mug, but the actor feels that that would serve them in this scene. So please go find one or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, hair, makeup, they might need to know that something is going to happen 
on stage that they were not anticipating. Like maybe, you know, a character intends to take off their hat and play with their hair and then put it back on or whatever the case may be. So everyone has the marking rehearsal as their opportunity to get ready for what we're going to shoot in probably 10, 15 minutes or up to an hour, depending on how complicated it is to light. Once we've done that marking rehearsal, departments step away, actors step away to finish getting camera ready. The director, cinematographer, and me, and sometimes the AD will talk shots, talk about all the shots, all the angles that we need to tell the story of the scene. And we'll talk about what the plan is to shoot directionally so that we're not shooting one thing, tearing the lights down and, and the cameras pointing them another way, and then forgetting that we missed something and coming back and doing it again. So we're talking about the efficient, you know, most time efficient, cost-effective way to shoot the scene and to get all the shots that will be needed to tell the story in a dynamic way in the edit. Um, and then we start lighting stand-ins and I'm standing by setting up paperwork and, you know, um, facilitating communication between departments. Again, just making sure everybody has what they need in terms of, um, you know, shooting out of continuity, which we always are um, in film and TV. We're shooting out of continuity in whatever way is the most, um, you know, we shoot basically shoot out locations, you know, so we'll group all scenes in one location together in the schedule so that we don't have to keep going back to that location. Over yeah, over. I, I'm going to stop because I, I, I know what it is, but yeah. explain a little bit better for, for the audience, meaning it doesn't mean that you're shooting from the beginning to the end in sequence every scene, because that's what you think when you watch the movie. <laughs> Truth is that the last scene could have been shot the first scene of Big the time. day of the first film. So explain the the economy, let's put it, of, of doing that as you were going, but I, I wanted to clarify this. Don't blow it right now. Yeah, yeah. So what, what does it, isn't it complicated to think like, well, this is scene, I don't know, two and 29, and the actor, I'm imagining, it has to jump in character. In their head. Yeah, yeah. So give me that picture of okay. what happened there. <laughs> so let's imagine that we have um, a story that's a hundred scenes. We have a scene that takes place ten years ago in a kitchen set, a scene that takes place five years ago in a kitchen set, and a scene that takes place in present day in that same kitchen set. And we're shooting them all in the same day. So we have to have a plan that we create while in prep to shoot all of those scenes on the same day while making them seem as though they were shot in sequential order, okay? So you can imagine how challenging this would be, but it is obviously much more cost efficient to shoot all of the scenes on one set in one day rather than shoot a film in sequential order where we're having to go to different locations, break down equipment, move gear, move actors, move set dressing and so forth, and then come back and keep doing the same thing over and over. Filmmaking will cost a fortune. We have to group like scenes or not mm. like but like sets together in the schedule to save money. So therefore we need a continuity specialist to make sure it seems as though it was all shot in sequential order. So that's wow. a script supervisor, one of the script supervisor's jobs. Fascinating. And is there, I know you've worked in the, the in film, uh, you work on TV and of course now, I would say the the line between the two is very blurred, meaning yeah. there are before it used to be others oh, movies and below or there was TV, which you, maybe you film in a in a studio. The set is the same. You can probably film an entire episode in a couple of days. Yeah, you can like sitcoms and stuff yeah, like that, right? Yep. Yeah, but 
but at the same time, now you have a completely different where almost TV series have become mini movies. Yes. So you you have outside scene, you have on set, so it gets even more complicated. Do you having done both? Do you have a preference for one or another, or also is it easier start in one than another? What to to make experience? I would say starting in features is a great way to go. Television is faster paced, whether we're talking about multi-camera sitcom or just a TV series, you know, just an episodic, a one hour episodic, for example. Television is just going to be faster paced schedule. So if you're starting out, I recommend you start in the indie filmmaking world and stick to films, you know, maybe three, four, five pages a day, ideally, and get a taste for how this shooting out of continuity and just the chaos of filmmaking in general works and then step up to television from there. That is how I went. I got a bunch of experience in um, like indie filmmaking and low budget tier filmmaking and then started getting invited invited onto bigger sets, studio sets. And then that led to a lot of TV production work. Um, nowadays, I absolutely adore making TV. It's my number one favorite, especially comedy and multi camera sitcoms in particular. I still love sitcoms. Okay. I grew up on sitcoms. I love making sitcoms. I get to laugh my behind off all <laughs> day long. Truly. I mean, it is like the most fun you can have on set. I love all the genres, but multi-camera sitcoms are my number one favorite to this day. Um, but yeah, sometimes I'll find myself if I'm on a slower, um, you know, one hour episodic or a feature, I find myself getting bored. My mind is just a, a mind that cannot rest. And I need to be doing something, you know, I will find something to do, even if, you know, if, if we're on a slow set or if it's a slow shooting day, I will find problems to solve for, a, you know, the shoot that takes place three weeks from now, you know, like, oh, let me look in the schedule. What can I get ahead of right now? I just always need to be doing something and fussing with something. So mm -hmm. normally on TV sets, there's always something urgent to do, you know, so, so I do actually really enjoy that. Mm. I like that. I, I, I would have expected the opposite, that where you would say, no, I like to be out there in the middle of, you know, a set, uh, I don't know, filming in a city, action. But, but, you know, I mean, it's personal taste. So that, that brings me to <coughs> your, your role. You say you, you interact a little bit with, with everyone, directors, and, but you also interact with the actors themselves. Yeah, how, how that happened. Okay, so um, we have to support the actors. We have to have a warm and trusting relationship with the actors. They have to know that they can trust us. And they, you know, they were cast and introduced to a director, but they don't meet the script supervisor till their first day on set. Okay, but we have to step in and give them notes about their performances. I mean, all the time. So I might have to step in, you know, if Marco's, um, you know, our you know, our character that we're dealing with, I might have to step in and say, hey, Marco, I just want to give you a note. Um, you know, in the master, you did this performance a little bit differently. You were um, delivering the lines much faster. And also, you, um, you know, you were tapping your foot throughout in the master. But in this case, you're not matching that performance. And so the director is requesting that you go back to the performance that you gave us in the master so that we can make sure it cuts, you know, in the edit or whatever. I mean, that's just a mm. made up example. But mm -hmm. I have to support them 
in matching their performances, their timing, the actual delivery of their lines and their words, if they're forgetting how they delivered the words, if they're reordering lines because they're nervous or just don't know the lines very well, I have to work with them to massage their performances to match the preferred takes of the director's preferred takes of the master so that those close-up performances actually make it into the edit. I've seen actors deliver gorgeous, you know, close-up performances or performances in the close-up that are cut out because they don't match, because they decided to try something different, because they decided to do a tick where they're taking off their hat and putting it back on. And it's just not gonna cut with a shot that the director absolutely wants to use, you know, possibly. Mm some over the shoulder of somebody else. Um, those those things can get trashed. The, the poor performances can go, you know, in the wastebasket because they don't match the master. So to have a person that you don't know stepping in and talking to you about your performance, I mean, that's kind of a delicate thing. So we have to ingratiate ourselves. You know, we have to um, just be trusted by the actors in order to get what we need for the editor and ultimately the director. Um, so the the result of this for me has been that some of my best friends are actors, you know, because I just got to know them so well. Mm. My favorite people, generally, my favorite people to work with are actors. I mean, it's endlessly fascinating. And I love stepping in and supporting them. Um, I really do. I yeah. Wow. So you, you're kind of like a, a psychologist you for the actor. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, yeah, yeah. Now, I'm trying to think of what the audience will be want to know now. So I am pretty sure I'm not, I can't read mine, but I've done this for a while. And I'm thinking actors usually are known for, as they get bigger, their personality get bigger too. And then you know that some are really super cool and super nice who, for those who had the, you know, the, the been lucky to meet that the really a level actor is there a difference in the way that you act with them? Does it really matter if they're famous or not, or it's just more of a fact of personality? Because I, I heard stories of people that I would thought I would think they would be nice, but they're not. Yes, and vice versa. So what's your experience? Uh, okay. You don't need to make names. No, I, I, name. I'm sure the audience wants to yeah. wants to know. Okay, I will not name names, but I can tell you that. 99% of the actors are like the best people I have ever met, worked with. You know, they're go-getters, they're action takers, they can take rejection, you know, they're tough, they're, they persevere, you know, they're creative, they're vulnerable, um, they're hardworking, you know, that's how they, they are able to work, you know, because the competition is so steep. You know, if you are not a hard worker, if you're not a nice person, um, you know, if you don't bring your A game, you might not be able to work. So my experience is, Actors are wonderful. There have been a couple of exceptions. Um, I'm thinking of an Oscar winner and another, I don't know if the other one has won an Oscar. If he hasn't won one, he's certainly been nominated and he's been around. I mean, they're both a long time, extremely famous actors. Two actors who were not so nice to crew or director for that matter, or sometimes to other cast members. And my policy with people who don't treat other people nicely is to just not give a damn, you know, just to be <laughs> with kindness and do my job and, and, you know, never, ever, ever, truly never be rattled by anyone who's just, 
you know, got a bad attitude or was just an unhappy person. You know, I worked with a, an Oscar winning actor who kicked another actor out of frustration during a rehearsal. I'm wow. not kidding. He kicked a younger, inexperienced actor who was from the state that we were working in. We were working on location um, because he could and he was having a bad day. And, um, you know, it's, cool. it's, now it's, cool alert. Now it's cool. pretty insane. Um, this is it's only worth mentioning because it's so incredibly rare. Mm. I mean, I have to tell you, my actors tend to be my favorite people on set. So cool. Very cool. Now we're getting towards the end. And of course, this is as could as be as big as a conversation as the the how long it takes to make a movie because that's another thing you watch an hour and a half and it took so much longer than that but yeah. we're not gonna go there what i want to go into is uh, i know that right now you're kind of like mentoring uh, people that wants to go in the industry now you just went there and said this is it i'm gonna go for it pack your guitar and went to hollywood right. I don't know if i'm just saying making a story <laughs> here uh, pretty much but, But you felt that, you know, like we all do when we have a certain experience, we're lucky enough to be, you know, doing the things that we like to do and to share. And so mentor, you can do it writing a book, you can do it having podcasts, interview, writing blogs. So what is that you're doing now? And, and, you know, I'm sure some people listening is what? I would love to go do what Jennifer is doing or at least one of these things in this crazy circus that the movie industry is. And how did they get started? What will be your, so what do you do now? Question mark. And how would you suggest people to get started? Gotcha. Even if they don't know what they want to do, they just want to know how do I get in the movie industry? How to get it, how to break into the industry. Yeah. Okay. Basically, that, that is what I do. I answer that question for people who feel that they have an itch that's not being scratched by their current <laughs> career, okay? Or who feel that they have been trying, they've been writing, they've been auditioning, um, they've been making low budgets and trying to get them screened, you know, in film festivals. They've just been trying, 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 but they feel like they're just on a hamster wheel or something. Um, I have kind of found a solution for that. And I realized it, I would say back in 2018 or 2019, when I realized that we don't have enough script supervisors to go around. We don't have, oftentimes we don't have anyone available that we can call. When my UPM, which is a unit production manager tells me, um, Jennifer, I need a script supervisor because we have another um, series that we're gonna be you know, shooting at the same time on stage 12, find me someone. I can't find anyone. Jennifer, I need a second unit script supervisor for Friday through Thursday, you know, yada, yada, because, you know, we're, we're, we're behind schedule. I can't find anyone. So I thought if I had to train someone as fast as possible to focus on only what matters for being a script supervisor, how would I do that? So I created this training program to do that. And I tested it out with friends and a few people who were like friends of friends and it worked really, really well. And then I thought, gosh, these people are having really, really fast success. They're using my unique method. Um, and then they're like going right out of the gate. Some of them, you know, are getting co-director credits and getting bumped up for, for, to producer and so forth, like really, really quickly. So then I started doing this just as a side thing, like between gigs, like just literally training people on the side. Well, it's kind of exploded. So what I'm doing is training people and mentoring them into their careers as script supervisors, which again, it touches on all those other 
very, very popular filmmaking disciplines that people go to film school for, directing, screenwriting, producing, acting, editing. Um, so they're finding, you know, that they are kind of skipping the line of millions of other people mm -hmm. trying to get their screenplays read, trying to get their acting reel seen, trying to get their films screened by suddenly getting paid to network with directors, screenwriters, producers, actors, editors. So it's kind of like this surprise. I just sort of found this um, fast Hollywood access, you know, method for getting people started. And so I train and mentor people into their careers now. Okay. Well, that's, that's really cool. It's uh, and how long does it take? And I know it's a stupid question, but I'm thinking it's stupid while I ask it to you because there's people that may take a long time and may never get what they want to be, uh, you know, show business for you. And then there is other times that you get a lucky break I don't know, maybe a show get unionized, maybe a show get bumped up, maybe a show it becomes a, a phenomenon, it wins a, a festival, whatever it is. So, but in average, I mean, I, what do people shoot a, a true real expectation to at least get to a decent- Break in a little bit? Yeah. Okay. So, so I have, this is sort of a unique phenomenon in my world of people, but my people are averaging two short films, like two student films, like volunteer opportunities, and then getting hired for features. And a number of them are getting bumped up from there because they're running circles around everyone else on set because they learned my unique method, which is a soup. I've developed it because I do super, super high volume, fast paced television. And so I've had to cut all the fat and focus only on what matters. And that's what I train people to use my unique method. Um, so my people are averaging like two short films to paid feature films. Um, so it's, it's unheard of, or I would say it's, it's rare. Um, but it just, I just see it over and over and over. I mean, I've trained over a hundred people and I just continue to see it happen over and over. Wow. So cool. it can happen a lot faster than you might think. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I could keep talking about this because I love the, you know, the movie industry and uh, um, I like to know what's happening behind the scene. It's it makes okay. me appreciate more what I actually see on the screen, whatever yeah. that is. And uh, so I really enjoy this conversation with you. And uh, yeah, and, and thank you for sharing with, with our audience a little bit of, uh, you know, the magic of, it's it's movie magic <laughs> and i do apologize for the coughing everyone oh, it's okay it's of years. sorry we are not uh we're not heavy on editing so i'm sure it's just what you will get in a just normal conversation it's gonna be there now maybe not as much but i'll take care yeah. of it Thank what you. is important though jennifer and we'll say goodbye to the audience is that the audience enjoy this maybe they get motivated to discover something new maybe it's not the movie industry but it's a it, it's an incentive to go for what they want you I don't need to be set right you don't I need to be set in your career you can change it's never too late so many opportunities out there and this really is one for for if you have unrealized film dreams if you're if you have film dreams but you're not making money you're not paying your bills making movies I encourage you to seriously give it a try because it it's it works. It really works. There's a lot of opportunity. Cool. Then I encourage people to get in touch with you because there will be uh, notes 
uh, links to your profile, That's to your website on the show. And uh, with that in mind, uh, stay tuned. Hit subscribe because that's what I do. I talk to people. So if you enjoy listening, just why not? Jennifer, thank you very much. Again. Thank you, Marco. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Audio Signals. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society, and some even beyond that.